Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The following podcast is for mature audiences only. This show contains explicit language and graphic stories not suitable for children or people who get offended easily. Seriously, this is your chance to leave. And you might want to put some headphones on, for real. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, dummies? It is your boy, John. If you missed our announcement earlier and you're wondering, what the hell is this episode? Your boy and the daddy, Patrick, are taking an extended hiatus to recharge the proverbial batteries. But if you're not, we will be back. And speaking of being back, this feed was our very first collaboration with our good friend Josh from Let's Start a Cold Podcast, dating back to November 2020. So sit back, sip the Kool-Aid, and enjoy listening to John Froome and the Cargo Cults, presented by Josh Shell of Let's Start a Cold Podcast. Hello, my name is Josh Shell, host of the Let's Start a Cult Podcast, the only podcast that guarantees to heal whatever ails you, so long as you believe. And give us a small donation at buymeacoffee.com slash let's start a cult. Links are in the show notes. Now with that wildly unfounded claim out of the way, let me introduce to you my two amazing guests this episode. Both are from the incredibly hilarious and interesting The Dumb Found Dead podcast, where each episode Patrick and John discuss some of the craziest and insane ways people die. Some deaths and puns are so terrible and bizarre that they will leave you dumbfounded. Please welcome to the cult, I mean podcast, Patrick and John. How are you guys doing today? What's going on, Josh? <laughs> How's it going, man? How's it going? Good, good. Uh, did you like your introduction? Did I do it? Oh, all yeah. Right? You, you nailed it, man. <laughs> Where's the papers? I want to sign up. <laughs> I need new hosts. This is perfect. <laughs> so, for your podcast, The Dumb Found Dead, uh, you guys talk about crazy deaths, obviously. What's maybe one of the craziest deaths that you guys have covered so far, just to give our audience a little taste? I'll let you take that one, Patrick. I know which one you're going to pick. <laughs> Which one? My favorite one. Oh, yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This, this yeah. One, yeah. This, uh, there's this one. And um, this guy was into uh, bestiality. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And let's just say he had a little entanglement with a horse. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. And it didn't end too well. It, it, it seemed like they were in a cult that worship farm animals oh. <laughs> oh yeah that's true it was a whole group there was a whole group of them that were into it and yeah for this guy i guess you know the horse just got a little too rough i mean that's got to be one of the most dangerous animals to, <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's yeah. so many other animals i just don't you know I don't, whatever to each their own i guess i don't condone any of it but but uh <laughs> to choose a horse is I mean, risk it, risk it for the biscuit, I guess. Well, <laughs> that sea biscuit risked it big time. So, and uh, yeah, it made his life really difficult. <laughs> Very, yeah, it's short too, probably. Well, that horse's thing wasn't. So. Oh God. <laughs> so yeah, if that sounds interesting to you, I mean, it sounds hilarious to me. I got to go watch that episode, but definitely check out the Dumbfound Dead podcast. Now, I, I chose this specific cult. For you guys, the cult for this episode, for reasons that will become clear in a few moments. But before we get into the episode, I did a little research on you guys before the show. And correct me if I'm wrong, but 
John, I believe you were in a branch of the the U.S. military. Is that correct? Yes, it's the flying cult. The flying <laughs> cult. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Very interesting. And uh, Patrick, you've known John for a while, right? Yeah, about 15 years now. Oh, wow. Okay. Does he seem like someone who could inspire entire people to worship him for about half a century or something? <laughs> half a century? <laughs> uh... Is he older than he looks is what I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think John could get people to follow him for that long. Hey, man, I got some charisma. What you mean? <laughs> I'm not saying you don't, but. <laughs> and we're fighting after this, bro. <laughs> My entire theory of this episode rests on him being able to uh, get a bunch of followers very quickly. <laughs> so I, I hope he can. Because today's episode, we're going to be focusing on the cargo cults. These remote island cults, which are the direct result of European colonialism and American soldiers, which are mostly extinct. One, though, remains on an island in the South Pacific, where islanders believe in an American god who will supply them with advanced technology and good fortune. A messiah-like figure known as John Froome. Ooh. So John, okay. you know. I'm seeing are we some... doing some sort of role play in this episode? Is I'm... that what we're getting well... <laughs> Yeah, you be the horse and no. <laughs> Whoa, okay. <laughs> no, I just see that, you know, the connections, American soldiers, John. Yeah, yeah. Made up sounding I, last name, you know. Okay, it, I like in, it. It was falling into into place when I was doing the research. I feel like you did this on purpose, huh? Like you you strategized about this. It was a lucky coincidence. <laughs> but, <laughs> so have you guys heard of the cargo cults or like any? No, any I have not. Or John Froome? No? Um, Never. Good, because this will make for a very interesting episode then. We're ready. Perfect. We'll start at the beginning, kind of uh, talk about the islands a bit. So at the turn of the 20th century, British and French colonizers and missionaries docked their boats on the white sandy beaches off the coast of Australia on some islands. The white foreigners named the string of islands New Hebridge and forced the islanders to abandon their customs and beliefs so that they could become, quote, civilized in the eyes of the Western world. They made them learn French and English, forbidding them to speak their native language. They forced them to go to Christian churches and built westernized schools for their children. They did everything they could to strip the islanders of their identity. No traditional dances, no traditional foods or drinks, no traditional religion or spirituality, no traditional languages, and no independence. And I know you guys are thinking, what? The British and French taking over an indigenous peoples and stripping them of their culture? That doesn't sound like them. They could never. <laughs> they would How never do that. Multiple times over the over the span of a century, or way so more. So rude. That. Have you guys heard of these islands, like these uh, down uh, in the South Pacific? No, I'm scared of everything Australia. I feel like everything <laughs> there will kill me. They're not technically. Yeah. I don't think they're technically Australian, but it's close, close enough. Close, close enough. enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Many of the islanders were kidnapped and shipped to Australia to work. It was brutal, heartbreaking, and terrifying for the entire island nation. Then, decades into the islanders' ruthless colonization came John Froome, a hero clad in white. No one knows who John Froome is or where he came from, but he has many origin stories on, on the island of the South Pacific. And I'll be going through like some of the most prominent origin stories, but my main theory is still that it's, it's you, John. Except I'm not white. I'm super tan. <laughs> well, it, it says clad in white. Oh, clad in white. Okay, so, okay. All right. That's close. Good enough. <laughs> yeah, I don't know... If it mentions his ethnicity, I don't know. I don't think it does. So <laughs> it's a legend. So I don't, I don't know if they classified him as white or not. But anyway, 
The first story um, I'll tell you guys. In the late 1930s, a group of elders on the island of Tana chugged quite a few shells of kava, which is an intoxicating blend of pepper and narcotics known as island beer. (laughs) I can only imagine the morning after drinking that feels like it's got to be the worst hangover. (laughs) It's just pepper and narcotics. Right. Um, Can I get a bottle? No. (laughs) (laughs) Send John over to get it. (laughs) Yeah, just just pay shipping and handling, bro. I got you. (laughs) So in their drunken state, they were visited by a man who spoke the native language of the island. He encouraged the islanders to abandon everything the missionaries and colonists taught them to take their children out of the white man's schools, to rid themselves of the white man's money or in clothes, to abandon the Christian churches, and to return to the traditional island customs. These customs included drinking kava, worshipping magic stones, performing ritualistic dances, and other traditions deemed, quote, savage and forbidden by the colonizers. This story definitely sounds like just a bunch of guys got around, got just wasted and <laughs> hallucinated their own desires, which gave them the... I don't know, the motivation to, to fight off their oppressors, I guess. That, that's kind of where I get this. It's kind of a, a hopeful story, but probably not the true one. It sounds like us on a Friday night, bro. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to ask, how much is a ticket to uh, these islands? <laughs> <laughs> a bottle of kava and then you're, you're good to go. <laughs> so you guys do this every Friday. You just get wasted and then uh, want to fight the white man. <laughs> well, probably, 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 probably 2020 BC, so 2020 uh, be, uh, before Corona. <laughs> that, that was That's a long time a, ago. It was, yeah, right? It was like it was 10 about, years ago. Yeah, oh, I was God. just going to say. <laughs> One of the other versions of uh, the origin of John Froome was he was simply made up by the locals who yearned for a man to be on their side to join their fight against the colonizers and to empathize with them, basically. This version was backed up in the 1940s by the island administrator, Alexander Ratul, who said that the word Froom is actually pronounced like the word broom in Tannese. So John Froom was created as a symbol for sweeping the white people off the island, which I think is very poetic. Pretty deep. Pretty deep. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's a variation. So the other story is that John Froom's name just means John from America or even John from somewhere else. Whether or not the name takes a double meaning of sweeping out the white colonizers varies from person to person, depending on, you know, individual beliefs. But the John from America meaning is the most widely acknowledged among historians. They make the most sense because they they create this uh, messiah-like figure to help motivate them to rebel against the white people that had taken over their island, basically. And I think that's, I think everyone should do that. (laughs) (laughs) I support it all. (laughs) Yeah. You start your own cult. (laughs) Right. Yeah, we'll we'll start in North America, you know, start small. We'll try and wipe all the white people off there. (laughs) Yeah, good luck. (laughs) Patrick, you got California, I got Texas. I'll get all of Canada. Uh, yeah, there you go. We'll have a pincer attack going on right there. It's perfect. Yeah, we'll end it in New York, grab a shawarma in the end or something. Sounds <laughs> like perfect. Avengers well, style. I'll be off the island as well. But <laughs> <laughs> So the Messiah-like figure actually worked. And by the 1941, the myth of the hero John Froome spread across the island. And locals were inspired to fight back against their colonizers. They ditched their European money in the seas, adrenaline pumping as they watched their wages get swallowed by the waves. They slaughtered the pigs and welcomed their new messiah with a traditional customary island feast. I don't know what the pigs had to do with all of it, but they, 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 they <laughs> but ate they well suffered. that night. <laughs> Poor pigs. In their rage, colonial officers arrested leaders of the protest, shipping them to the prison in a distant island of Port Villa. These brave, locked-up leaders became the first official martyrs of the movement. So they're starting to fight back now. You know, they're starting to get out 
from under the rule. And I mean, keep in mind, this is 1941. So the war is going on. The British and French aren't quite as focused on this area of, of the world right at the moment. But there were two other large countries that were focused on this area. Just one year later, in fact, in 1942, with Japan and America fighting in World War II, American troops were sent in the thousands to the islands of the New Headbridge. They built massive military bases on the remote islands with airstrips, roads, bridges, hospitals, and jetties. Islanders were recruited to help build the bases and were exposed for the very first time to the advances and incredible technology of the Western world. They were blown away by the airplanes, radios, chocolates, cigarettes, and (laughs) Coca-Cola. The only explanation for these unexplainable treasures was magic. So it is confirmed Coca-Cola is magic. Well, I mean, you hallucinate pretty good back then if you drank some Coke. Well, what, did they still have Coke in Coca-Cola? In Coke? In not, not anymore. <laughs> no, but back then? Yeah, back then they did. Yeah. In 1940s? Oh, yeah. I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't. I just don't know where the cutoff was, right? Didn't they have like some... Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't know where the cutoff is either. I mean, still pretty good. So, it's still addicting. So, if all you're drinking is pepper and narcotics and you get Coca Cola, it's got to be better than that. Yeah. (laughs) I'm surprised Coca Cola didn't hop in the Cava uh, business. (laughs) They come up with the Cava brand Coca Cola. Cava Cola. Cava Cola. There we go. Well, yeah, market it Cava Zero so the colonizer will like it better. (laughs) It's keto friendly. (laughs) The next part is. uh, A bit sadly ironic with everything going on in America currently in 2020. The Islanders noticed right away that the black and white soldiers alike worked together and ate together, slept in the same huts, and were given the same rations and even talked to each other like friends. The Islanders had always been excluded by their white missionaries and colonizers who refused to eat beside them and referred to their modest huts as, quote, savage. They were shocked to see black and white Americans together in any capacity. So I wonder kind of what they think of America now. I don't know if they get the news there. Or yeah. <laughs> Coca Cola. Like, was it all uh, all a hoax? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> they tricked us. <laughs> they tricked us. Damn it, John! <laughs> Freaking John! It's always a John. It was while the Americans were stationed on the island that the Messiah John Froome became Americanized. So before he was basically just this figure who had no country or anything like that. He was just this figure, and then with the Americans there, they kind of started associated him with the militaristic, you know, uniforms and, and, and people. So he started melding with the society that they were being engulfed in. What if this is like the OG origin story of Captain America? <laughs> I was just going to say that, dude. That, that'd be good. It'd be way better than the original. <laughs> right. Oh, and it's, just, it's so fitting because you know how they turned Jesus white? <laughs> so this is like <laughs> what it became some sort of a Jesus figure. Oh my I God. Like- <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it is basically the Jesus figure. And then they're just like, yeah, he's white now, I guess. <laughs> are, you sure, are you sure we're not all drinking kava while we're... <laughs> they're just all getting fucked up on kava. <laughs> None of this was real. It was on their heads. <laughs> just a well-branded Coca-Cola advertisement. <laughs> so according to the locals, an American soldier was dressed in white Navy uniform And he promised after the war he would return to the island bearing cargo from airplanes to Coca-Cola's for the islanders. The locals called this man John Froome. I guess this American soldier told them that they were going to give them stuff. And then they were just like, this is is totally Jesus. Now I'm thinking about it. I'll turn your water into Coca-Cola instead of wine. (laughs) It's the modern day version of Jesus. Yeah, it's Jesus. I'll bring you airplanes and (laughs) Coca-Cola. 
<laughs> it's not like the the what is it um when they do communions like the bread it, they, this time it's bread spam. and wine yeah this, yeah, one, yeah, this yeah. time it's 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 spam and coca-cola <laughs> <laughs> so re- regardless or not of whether this like a member of the navy actually made these promises to them the locals took it as gospel and john Froome had become in just a matter of years their american savior um, i'm just gonna start calling him white jesus the rest of the episode so <laughs> i'm like, just gonna go there <laughs> You know what? It, it's interchangeable at this point. Jesus, John, Christ, Froom, I guess. I don't know. I wonder if this guy knew that they worshipped him. Oh, very. Like, so you think and they this, just changed his name, you know? <laughs> this dude named Carl just comes up to him. Hey, we're going to bring some more supplies uh, in a couple weeks. Just be ready for them. And he's like, they're like, that guy's John now. <laughs> <laughs> You're now my messiah. <laughs> I will build a statue in your name. <laughs> this guy is like the, the lowest rank of, <laughs> of the Navy. Yeah, this, guy's like, this, this guy's barely a seaman, you know? <laughs> he still he has a crew, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I bet you one of his COs just be like, hey, can you just tell the Islanders like, hey, we'll you'll be, be back, back bro. Yeah. yeah, just tell the Islanders. <laughs> you know, send the message. You know, John is Jesus. Be quick or we'll leave without you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I swear to God, that's probably what happened. Watch. Oh, man. So as Froome's worshippers grew in mass across the island, their entire culture shifted dramatically. Islanders, captivated by the technology and lifestyle they had witnessed in the American soldiers, began to live their lives for Froome, sure that he would one day return bearing the gifts for them, devoting themselves to this mystical, otherworldly, being meant creating new rituals, holidays, places of worship, symbols of worship, prayers, all while holding on to the traditional customs that John Froome had allowed them to return to in the first place. And it was quite the task, but the locals were ready to dedicate their existence to the American Messiah, John Froome, who they continue <laughs> to worship today. I mean, it's kind of a nice, in a way, it's kind of nice because they're, they're going back to their traditions. Yeah, yeah. With now this Americanized version that's just combining to be... John Froome, essentially. I'm about to book a flat. I'm about to book a flat over there, dressed in all white. I'm home. (laughs) I'm back. (laughs) I'm back, bearing you with Coke. Yeah. I I brought vanilla Coke this time. (laughs) Check this out, cherry Coke. (laughs) Cherry Coke. I also have Pepsi, and then they boo you because you're Satan now. Yeah. 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 That's the end of the religion right there. Uh, Thank you so much for coming to my cult. You're the evil, John. <laughs> yeah, you're you're the brother, the evil brother <laughs> with Satan. Oh, my God. Like many religious groups or spiritual organizations, the members of this cargo cult were motivated by the promise of something better to come. Uniquely, though, this cult wasn't looking for a prosperous afterlife. They were praying for good fortunes to be bestowed upon them during their lifetime which is actually pretty rare in cults. They're usually working to some sort of version uh, of heaven right. or, mm-hmm. or yeah, yeah. the good place. I don't know. I don't know. What else. Yeah. Um, so these, these people are actually hoping for something right now. They, they're, they're Americanized now. They want it now. They want, they want it on their doorstep, two day delivery. Yeah. Prime. I, I need it. Prime delivery, right? Yeah, they, they, they want that stimulus package like right away. Exactly. <laughs> Give my twelve hundred. Oh God, that's a whole other can of worms. <laughs> I don't have enough notes for that. 
Shortly after the war, the U.S. dumped a surplus of war supplies from jeeps to aircraft engines, which washed up on the shores of Espiritu Sanitu, the largest island in the nation. This reaffirmed the faith of thousands of the islanders who believed that the supplies were a gift sent directly from John. Uh, so, so it's just spiraling now. Either. Yeah, now it's just <laughs> snowballing into this into this messiah. Any real. good things that happen, it's John, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> WWJD, what would John do? <laughs> Send you some care packages. <laughs> Here's some airplanes. <laughs> Unfortunately, though, the war did end for them anyway. I guess, fortunately, for literally everyone else. <laughs> so, so I started that sentence poorly, I realized. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Yeah, hey, you're, hey, we're rubbing off on you already. <laughs> <laughs> So John Froome sadly did not show up again, or Carl, or White Messiah, <laughs> Jesus, whatever we're calling him. <laughs> he didn't show up again, and in an effort to get his attention to let him know just how much they loved him and needed their precious leader and his cargo, followers built model landing strips for airplanes along with bamboo control towers, which used rope and bamboo aerials to guide the planes Froome would one day arrive in. They even made these huge life-size bamboo replicas of wartime planes which quickly became a symbol, like a holy symbol, um, basically like the cross in Christianity. And actually, I really want to show you guys these because they're some of the coolest shit. Like some of the stuff they built out of um, like bamboo. It, it's crazy. So I'll see if I can't send you this. And for everyone else, I'll link them in the uh, the show notes. At first, when you first started your paragraph, I thought you said they started a war. But <laughs> each other's like, John Froome would come back. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, man, John fucked up. He should have just been like sent a letter or a telegram or something and put, I became the Holy Ghost now. So it's just like, go with the whole Jesus persona. Well, I don't even know if that dude yeah. knew, right? He just was probably just some dude that was like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> probably doesn't even know. I, I don't know. He might have known, but. Oh, yo. Oh, my God. That's, yo, that's a satellite. Like, Yeah, literally. And hey, that, hey, that looks kind of comfy. I'd sleep there. <laughs> They all slept there waiting for John Froome to come home. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, so so definitely take a look at them. I'll, I'll link them in the show notes, like I said, so that everyone can take a look. But uh, definitely cool. Oh, um, yeah. In 1964, a cargo cult in Papua New Guinea pledged $1,000 to get U.S. government uh, official. I don't know what he was technically. I think president, wasn't he? Lyndon B. Johnson? Yeah, he was a president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was he in 1964? Sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love history. <laughs> I, I missed a word there. I think the, so. I just turned I just turned American a few years ago, so it's all good. I'm Canadian, excuse. so I have no idea what I'm talking. About. <laughs> well, Patrick, you've been a citizen, so what's your excuse? <laughs> so they pledged a thousand dollars to Lyndon Johnson if he would come to the island and be their most revered chief. But Johnson stayed home, unfortunately, shattering the hearts of hopeful cult members. I don't know why they wanted him specifically. If it's because they're like Johnson's close enough to John or <laughs> they literally maybe thought he was John's son. I don't know. Ooh, <laughs> like, they were like, okay, yeah, we, the son of our Messiah. We'll take that. Like, we'll give you a thousand dollars for that. <laughs> like, There's so many Johnsons out there. though. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was, might've been the most famous one though. Right. At the yeah, time. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, I don't know if I was him, why wouldn't you just take it? Like they're make you your God, basically. <laughs> <Why>? Like. <laughs> Make an appearance. Yeah, yeah. Show up at least. Come on, we're call, we're calling him out right now. I don't know if he's still alive or not. But. I don't think he is. Yeah, probably not. That was a while ago. 
As time went on, more and more islands in the South Pacific began abandoning their worship for John Froome, tired of waiting for their Messiah that never showed up. The small island of Tanath, though, kept up a fierce hope that still holds strong today. While many Taiwanese still follow the Christian fate introduced to them by the missionaries, they have blended their Christian ideals with that of their belief in John Froome. One islander explained to a reporter to, for the Smithsonian that, quote, I am now a Christian, but like most people on Tana, I still have John Froome in my heart. If we keep praying to John, he'll come back with plenty of cargo. <laughs> still find it so funny that hey, they're just like, we need Hey, John, cargo. you got to go, bro. <laughs> I know, man. This hey, is an may- opportunity, bro. <laughs> maybe maybe he died and he just didn't resurrect yet, like Jesus in three days. Maybe That's he true. Is- his his waiting time is a little longer. <laughs> and you're the resurrection, bro. You you are the one. <laughs> That's true. I might you, do it. You've awoken. Now you have to fly over there. I'm just going to indoctrinate them like, listen to my podcast. <laughs> Maybe with their satellite dishes, they'll pick you guys up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, does, at this time around, this, those are the only people listening to us anyway. <laughs> Froome's followers are so devoted to him that they even deemed their most sacred volcano to be the house of John Froome. They call the volcano Yasser, which means God. And legend has it that Froome uses the island to gain access to the sea, where he travels back and forth regularly from the United States. <laughs> so do you make a lot of uh, direct flights to volcanoes, John? That's a lot of frequent flyer miles, man. Holy shit. You gotta be platinum or something now, eh? Right. Especially during COVID. That's cheap flights. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> At sunset each night, the most prominent male members of the cargo cult drink kava together and pray to Froom. And they also have a sign that says, no girls allowed. (laughs) The chief then makes his way into the woods alone, where he meets with Froom's spirit and speaks with him. Oh, man. (laughs) So he's still fucked up on kava, basically. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) The chief's hut is decorated with American flags, military uniforms, and handmade wooden bald eagles. Most prominently, there are two blackboards, like you might see in an elementary school, with John Froome's commandments written on them. On the board, Froome tells his followers to lead a custom life and to not commit any acts of violence onto another person. So I find that wild because if I saw someone with an American flags all over their house, military uniforms, you know, (laughs) the last thing I would expect is to be like, we don't do violence here. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> no offense America, to you guys down there. America. <laughs> None taken. <laughs> You're like, I know those people. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> we know we're fucking up around here. <laughs> and we're all very scared. Please, please get it together. <laughs> we're scared too. Trust me. We live here. <laughs> now I'm really wondering if they get the news out there and they're looking in America and like, Man, <laughs> they need they need John Froome. They need Froome, yeah. <laughs> this Jesus guy isn't cutting it. They need the Froome. <laughs> uh, maybe he wasn't American. He's Canadian. They start, ooh, oh, they start changing. They start changing their flags. <laughs> in, the leaves flag. everywhere. <laughs> Maple syrup. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Poutine. Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> We'd probably still get messed up on kava though. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that's like a universal thing that we got going on. We'll get fucked up on Kava. Yeah, whatever, whatever. Put it in me. <laughs> the board itself also boasts a large red cross, which is another religious symbol for Froome's followers, which was probably copied from the side of wartime ambulances or... The red cross? The yeah, red exactly. Cross. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's worse things to have as your... I mean, yeah, or I guess... Switzerland. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's definitely worse... Or symbols you can have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe it was a Swiss guy. There we go. He, they probably yeah. pretty. 
pretty passive. I don't know what he'd be doing out there in the war, though. <laughs> Didn't really do Maybe much. Maybe he got lost. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit, I'm in the wrong unit. <laughs> I was looking for Australia. Are we here? <laughs> I'll be back with Coke. I'll be back with Coke. <laughs> it's not the first time the white man got lost and accidentally found a, a new colony. A, a whole new... Uh, <laughs> exactly. A new island. And it was just like, well, this is mine now. <laughs> <laughs> On the island of Tana, the cult has divided, though, into two rivaling groups. And as of 2006, one such group was led by Chief Isaac and the other by Prophet Fred. <laughs> I find the name hilarious because it is such a mundane name and so weird. <laughs> like, would you follow a guy named Fred? It's like Prophet Fred has spoken to me. I'm like, what? Yeah, I'd maybe follow him to like I don't know a cheeseburger. Like, if he made it, it was Office like Pro- Depot. Yeah, <laughs> I'm Prophet Fred. I'm. I'll be your uh, your help at the DMV. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And it's totally okay to make fun of him because he's kind of a he's kind of a piece of shit, to be honest. Prophet Fred is. He's a cult leader in his own right, claiming to have revived his wife from the dead. His followers hanging on to his every word as gospel, and he, he claimed to have a vision while on a fishing boat in which God told him to preach a new religion. After his vision, he promptly founded his own version of the cargo cult. He named Unity. So Unity blends together Christianity, John Froome, and ancient rituals. To create a doctrine that basically as many islanders will want to follow. And Prophet Fred's group does not worship John Froome as their messiah, but rather views him as a disciple-like figure. Prophet Fred is kind of filling that messiah-like figure, I guess, in this cult. And John Froome is just like, yeah. figurehead. He's like Paul or something like that. One of the guys. (laughs) (laughs) One of the apostles. Yeah. One of the 13 of them. (laughs) And it actually gets worse, and this is where the cult aspects start to get into it. The other one's not, you could classify it as more of a religion, and it is more usually a religion of peace, because they aren't really doing anything harmful. They're just yeah. kind of believing in America, if you think about it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But Prophet Fred's followers also believe in faith healing. So they perform rituals in which they cling onto the injured parts of a person's body and pray with all their might, an attempt to cleanse the body of its demons. They perform this ritual every Wednesday, which is their holy day, when they believe God has bestowed them healing powers. So Wednesday is their Sunday. Is this like, um? you guys ever seen that? It's been on TV. It's that guy that hits people in the head and they get healed, supposedly. I think I know who you're talking about. It's a Christian church. I was going to say, like, that sounds like an evangelist. <laughs> and he, like, hits him on the head and they fall back and they're, like, healed and stuff. You're healed. Right. Yeah. That wheelchair. Oh, and it started, like, shaking and stuff. And, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, that's what the vibe I'm getting from this. It's honestly very similar to that. And a lot of cults do it. The one last week, actually, we talked about our oh, last episode. the feet episode. guy? Yeah, the feet, the feet guy. So he's, <laughs> yeah. he, he's claiming weirdo. to be able to heal and, like, tell your future. And it's a lot of... Uh, cult leaders grifts is to promise healing in some sort of uh for so, usually for some sort of benefit to them for this it's I guess a following island he, yeah because there's not really i don't know if there's money or anything on this island anymore. yeah yeah i was gonna say uh bamboo planes and uh satellites coca-cola bottle caps i don't know yeah. hey that's very valuable in fallout games, exactly okay? they're just way ahead of the time exactly they're they're geared up for the apocalypse pretty much oh man so Chief Isaac's group is is much different, though. His sole focus is on worshiping Froom. It's his group that leads the, their massive celebration on February 15th of each year, which is John Froom Day. Chief Isaac is visited by Froom on nearly all of his kava trips, 
and climbs to the top of the volcano to sit near Froome's house almost every day. So he sees he sees John Froome every time he trips on Kava. Sounds like he could be featured on our our podcast. And going, <laughs> right? I don't know. I don't know about going to a volcano tripping on Kava <laughs> is a great idea. He might end up there one day, very soon. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a waiting game at this point. Yeah, right. exactly. When asked why Chief Isaac continues to blindly follow Froome, even when Froome has failed to appear after so many years, Chief Isaac replies, quote, You Christians have been waiting 2,000 years for Jesus to return to Earth, and you you haven't given up hope yet. Now he said, mic drop. Bars. He's dropping bars. Yeah. He just roasted. Oh, my God. He lava him a lot. He's like, we've only been waiting for like 40 years. You guys... Way longer. Like, what's wrong with me waiting for 40 years? Yeah. Oh, my God. Which I love. I Yeesh. think that is brilliant. That is hilarious. <laughs> hey, props logic. to him, man. Yeah, that's logic at its finest right there. <laughs> <laughs> he may be tripping on Kava, but he's one of the smartest guys I've heard in a while. <laughs> oh, man. Yo, you're going to have a lot of angry listeners. <laughs> I have no hate towards religious people. <laughs> yeah. It is just funny that like we criticize these people for waiting and then it's like, which is so true. Christians are also doing the same thing. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with it necessarily, but like you can't criticize without getting the criticism back. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. You can't be a hypocrite. Hey, you hit him with that thoughts and prayers, bro. (laughs) Hashtag thoughts and prayers. Hashtag thoughts and prayers. That's the episode hashtag right there. Oh my God. Uh, I love it. Oh God. So the two groups have a major rival on the island, obviously, because they're the two main cults or religions on the island, and their followers are known to break out into violence against each other. Chief Isaac actually considers Prophet Fred to be the, quote, devil. (laughs) He's got that Pepsi vibe going. Do they have gang colors? Like they're gang banging on religion right now or something? Yeah, Coke Coke is red and Pepsi's blue, so... (laughs) They're throwing up gang signs, bro? Yeah. They, they don't call themselves the Bloods and Crips, but you know what? It's a mini America out there. <laughs> they do, a, they do idolize us, so I guess that's, that's exactly true. they're they're doing the, what what they intended to. I don't know what we expected, <laughs> but regardless for the of the rivalry, both groups are striving for something better for their island and their people. You could argue maybe Prophet Fred isn't, but uh, I, most of what he's doing is harmless. I mean, they don't have medicine in there anyway, so. I guess healing is the best way they can go about it. Or praying, I guess. I don't know. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to talk a little bit more about uh, today. The likelihood of the American John Froome clad in white Navy uniform landing his plane on the homemade airstrip of the island of Tana remains unlikely. But as Chief Isaac said so poignantly, just because something is unlikely does not mean it's impossible. But uh, I do have to ask, John, will you go back to your people? (laughs) <laughs> you will soon find out all right we gotta start like a i don't know like a kickstarter or a patreon for this <laughs> send john, send john back with hundreds john and back. hundreds of of boxes of coca-cola okay hey y'all sound like you're trying to deport me back home or something man like that, i got papers okay <laughs> no no we want you to come back <laughs> you had a, just a good story you know i'll i'll record patrick can be one of your disciples Yo, it, it, it would be like a Borat movie. <laughs> it would, I mean, it would exactly be that. As long as I can wear the banana hammock, bro, I'm good. <laughs> but it's gonna be all white, though. <laughs> uh, 
They'll be like, that's him. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> it's our savior. Uh, a little, a little underdressed, but <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what he looked like. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the new fashion of 2020. I have been resurrected. <laughs> to be fair, I don't actually know if they wear too many clothes. They are like uh, island people. I'll, I'll fit so, in. Yeah, you might fit right in. Be <laughs> perfect. So, in the meantime, Froom's followers will continue to build their impressive bamboo airplanes, pray to the heavens, and march in military style with U.S. painted proudly across their chest and backs. And they will continue to look for a brighter future. America. Well, yeah, exactly. This whole episode is America, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if any of them did they recruit them as soldiers or no? So what they did was they used them. They used them basically, which is great. yeah. They might have paid them, but they they used them to help build like airstrips and, and yeah bases and stuff like that. It's so crazy because uh, I, I mean. They kind of did that to the Philippines. Yeah, and then they just we 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 kicked them out. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, get but, out but of here. they did recruit some as as uh, sailors and. Oh, what if it was General MacArthur, bro? Because you know how he said the same thing. He's like, I'll be or yeah, I'll like, be I, back. Shall re- I shall I shall return. return. Yeah, he, he said, said I, I shall, shall return. return. Interesting. He's part of like he's re- he's he's a big part of like Philippine history, and he's a he's also an American general. Uh, yeah, he was a yeah he was a general, I think. A general that said, "I shall return to in the Philippines." They got statues of him and everything. Wild. That, okay, so I mean, the Philippines aren't that far from these islands, right? Like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Still, they're in the Pacific as well. So mm-hmm. it, it is very possible that maybe it's an overlap it's, of the of the religion or cult, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and it's around the same time, the, the, yeah. the same war. Exactly. I, I mean, and that's why they call it the cargo cults because there isn't necessarily one, and like. Some have faded out over the years. So the Philippines could technically be classified. Maybe those people maybe that worship. Maybe there is. Yeah, yeah, maybe there is a cargo maybe. cult out there. Maybe. In the Philippines. We don't, yeah, we just don't call it cargo. <laughs> we call it something else, yeah. And we call it Balik Bayan Box, bro. Is <laughs> <laughs> that LBC. <laughs> yeah. So the Filipinos do this thing where Filipinos here in America put in uh, imported stuff. Just stuff here from America and they send it back to the Philippines to the okay. family. And it's called Balik Bayan Box. And they do it in a cargo ship. Oh, so you're all John Froome then. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe we're just an idea. (laughs) Or maybe we're just tripping on Kava. Uh, We're all tripping on Kava. (laughs) The Philippines isn't a real place. We're all just... (laughs) Yeah. Not even Filipino. (laughs) We don't don't even know what we are. (laughs) We're just shipping off boxes. (laughs) Of Coke. (laughs) I think of Coke, That's really cool though. I hadn't heard of that. So it, there could be like some sort of overlap though, for sure. Um, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, and like there were a lot of other islands that did worship some sort of militaristic style of religion, basically. Yeah. yeah. And that's what the Americans did in the war. Like they did a lot of island hopping to yeah. establish a strategic location in Japan. So it could be possible. It could be very possible. I, I'd be very interested to see. Yeah, we we sounded smart there for a minute, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah. usually we're dumb as hell. And then it, got, it, got was, real. it got real, real quick. It's just like, oh, correlation. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I had you on for different reasons, but this is perfect. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, shut up. We're not here for your knowledge. We're here for your idiotness. <laughs> I was trying to make you a messiah. <laughs> so in conclusion, a nation torn apart by colonialism, the island was named Vanatua. After it finally gained independence from Britain and France in 1980, the islanders have spent the years since working to get back what was robbed from them. And isn't that what their worship of the mystical John Froome is all about? All of John Froome's followers really want is to have their culture returned to them. 
John Froome represents an apology from a white, oh, a white person. There we go. There he was white. Oh, <laughs> we found out. <laughs> it was pretty obvious, I think. But <laughs> yes, <laughs> John Froome basically represents an apology from a white person who believes in them, who supports them, who fights for them instead of against them. He gives gifts that will help the whole island to thrive and grow and to prosper. He will revere the island for what it is. He will not take away its identity. John Froome will one day land his plane on the island again. He will return the island to its original prosperity, and he'll bring cargo boxes, and of course, because who doesn't want a Coca-Cola? <laughs> this, uh, this podcast is not yet sponsored by Coca-Cola, but I'm hoping this yeah. will get us there. Hey, Coca-Cola. <laughs> shoot me, help, shoot help me a text. Out. Yeah. <laughs> hit us up, hit us up. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's the story of the John Froome and the cargo cults. Do you guys have any uh, questions, comments, concerns about, about the cults? No, that was interesting as hell. <laughs> Yeah, and the fact that that we we brought up the Philippines having a similar encounter, I guess you could say, with a a military person. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, you know? No, it definitely. I mean, it makes a lot of sense when you say it because, like, yeah, they were establishing military bases all across the Pacific. It makes sense that it's not specifically just these islands that would have that influence on them. So it's very cool. I think you should still go back, John. I think you should go there. Hey, if you start if you start a Kickstarter or a GoFundMe, <laughs> sign me up. Hey, they've been waiting for you. When you do go back, they can rub it in the Christian's face and be like, see, I told you. See, he's not white. He's <laughs> <laughs> well, Jesus wasn't either, but shit, here we are. Shit. I've seen a lot of similarities. <laughs> There's Korean Jesus apparently too. So it's like There's yeah. all kinds of Jesus. Yeah. I mean, Middle Eastern makes the most sense in that scenario, but yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> No, I, I think I think it'd be amazing. We should definitely get the Kickstarter going. I'll uh, yeah. I'll do it. We'll do a docu series. I'll videotape it. Netflix, we're coming. <laughs> All of episode three will just be you guys tripping on Kava. That's well. Yeah. Next thing you know, Patrick is gonna be a solo host because I'm gonna be dumbfounded by that call. <laughs> I'll take your position. I'll I'll be there. You go. You. They're like, oh, John. Now we have to sacrifice you into your volcano. <laughs> To bring back the island back to its original prosperity. <laughs> exactly. And I'm going to go scream out, I love you all. <laughs> you said I love. <laughs> I, yeah, it's a, I love you all. Damn, I, I love you some, all. Come on, man. Put some puns here somewhere. Shit. You know, I was. we almost made it through an entire episode without a pun. Well, that's, that's <laughs> never going to happen with us around. Oh. <laughs> uh. But yeah, I appreciate you guys coming on and uh, listening to these cults. Thank you for having us. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, thank you, man. We really appreciate you considering us to be on your show. I'll definitely have you guys on for another one. If there's another one named Patrick, you guys are definitely <laughs> the next call. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but other than that, guys, I, I appreciate it. Definitely check out the Dumbfound Dead podcast. They're a great podcast. It's hilarious. You, you talk about horse sex. <laughs> <laughs> Which ties in great with my first episode of monkey sex. So this is great. There you go. There's just animal sex all around. Uh, all the weirdos do it, I guess. Yes. Uh, yeah. That's who we focus on. So. <laughs> all right. Thanks again, guys. And we'll see you next episode. All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Hey, listeners. Before I let you go this week, I just wanted to say thank you for the amazing support I received in the first month. I mean, this podcast started way stronger than I thought it would. And that's, that's all thanks to you guys. For everyone who's rated and subscribed to the podcast, a special thanks to you as you have helped the show out more, way more than you, you possibly know. And uh, I mean, don't feel obligated to, but if you do want to support the show even more, 
there are links in the show notes to make a small donation or use my affiliate link for Instacart. I will be working on some sort of bonus content for people who donate. I just haven't quite figured out what that is yet. Some ideas I have could be interviewing past cult members or doing deep dives on maybe something outside of the realm of cults. I'm not sure yet. If you have any suggestions for that or even suggestions on who you want to see on as a guest on the show, please like reach out. Let me know. You can tweet me, DM, email at uh, articultpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, uh, thank you again. I appreciate it. And uh, I'll see you next episode.